Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey, this is Bianca Waters-Oltoff, and you're listening to The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey, episode 406. This is a little FBF flashback Friday. Bianca, welcome back, friend. Jamie, I'm so excited to be here. This is lucky number, well, technically it's four. This is the fourth time you've been on the show. Fourth time. Friend, I feel the love. You are loved. Let me remind the listeners, the show that they're actually going to hear after we talk for The Flashback Friday is episode 103 from Mm. August of 2016. Do I have to admit that was like probably 15 pounds ago? I mean, I'm, I'm, I am I'm need Jesus to intervene here, Jamie. We can all go there. I love uh, it. I love and it. And then you were on Happy Half Hour when we used to do those in May yes. of 2017. Whoa. And then you were recently on in August of 2019, episode 259. So this is episode 406, four times on the shows because we love you so much. I want to tell you after I re-listened to the show, some major things that we talked about that I need you to give the listeners an update. They're about okay. to hear the show, but okay. tell us an update. So the first thing was you were working with A21 still. Wow. I know, okay. right? Yeah, Which so also much means changed. there was no what you have now. Right. You tell us. We were talking about your book, Play With Fire. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. We talked about how there's such a big jump between 25 to 35. Mm-hmm. And now you're 40 now, aren't you? 39. Girl, don't age me. Don't age me. Hello. (laughs) And then there's two things I really want you to catch us up on. You said at the end, you said you had two dreams. You may not remember this. Are you ready? One of them. Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. One of them is 100 resources. Yeah. Yes. I wanted, I had this goal of 100 resources. Yeah. And then what was the second one? A dream of doing a docuseries. Shut up. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you doing one? This is kind of funny that this is happening right now. I mean, if you can't say, you can't say, but if you can give us some breaking news on the flashback Friday, Jamie Ivy, hand <laughs> to heaven. I literally just got off a phone call right before you texted me and said, Hey, let's do this show. And I said, Hey, let's do it today. And I literally just hung up with, I don't know what it is. You should, yeah, I don't it. know what it is, but it could be, it could be a series. Okay, so let's start here because you talked about this docuseries and one of the things that I really love about you is you're like, I don't want to just come in and like open the Bible and preach. I want to tell stories and stories. Mm -hmm. And so your original vision there was just this redeeming message of God. I think you even talked about maybe through food and something like that with people. Am I right? Oh my, can I tell you something else? Yeah. This is bananas. Wow, Jamie, this is literally, I'm flashing back down Maybe this is like a Holy Spirit moment right here. Wow, just won't he do it? Won't he? Look at God, (laughs) look at my God. Listen, listen, listen. I'm doing a curriculum. I'm going to Napa and I'm teaching out of the book of Luke, but it's not gonna be like an exegetical Bible study. I'm taking all the times because in the book of Luke, Jesus was either going to a dinner party, at a dinner party or leaving a dinner party. And I just, I wholly recognize the power of the table and conversations that happen there. And so it's funny. So I am doing, that's a six part series and I'm taking six passages through the book of Luke and I'm gonna be doing recipes. So I'm really gonna encourage people. I have a chef out there. We're gonna walk the vines and I'm giving people recipes and then I'm gonna give them videos, teachings, and they're going to just gather people around the table and have power of the table. So that's one. Oh but my gosh. This well, other... time out. Okay. If you need okay. a wine pourer. I'm real good. 
Right. Uh, good. Right. But here's the thing. You have to compete with my husband, who is a level three sommelier. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I remember and that conversation. Changed. <laughs> that's changed. Because oh. on, on, on back in the day, my first episode with y'all, it was, he wasn't. Yeah. So he's been on a crazy uh, we've journey. We talked about that in one of the other episodes, but that's so cool. Okay. So what's the I other know. series you're working on? Well, I actually think, and it's, I think it might be secular, but a relationship and dating series. Mm. I know. I'm really passionate about that. It is. I just feel super passionate about healthy relationships because if we don't get relationships right, we'll get dating wrong. If we don't get dating right, we'll get marriage wrong. We don't get marriage right. We will get divorce right. And I'm just passionate about if the statistics inside and outside of church for those that are faith background or Mm -hmm. not faith background, the stats are the same. Yeah relationships are very hard. And so I think the greatest gift that you can give people is the healthiest version of you. And I would love to create resources and conversations and tell stories about redeeming love and relationships. So I love it so much. Okay. All these resources, your goal of a hundred resources before you make Jesus. And I asked you in the show, I was like, Hey, has anyone done that? And you said at the time, this was 2016, that Joyce Myers has just released like 103 or something. I don't remember. And she's still going. That girl is an energizer buzzy. She just keeps on going. Is that still a goal of yours? Well, here's the crazy part is that four years ago, if you were to say, hey, would you ever consider planting a church? Mm, yeah, I would here. say, heck no, techno. Uh-uh, mm-hmm. that is not for me. And you just tell God things that you want to do and he'll kind of like laugh and make it better. So two years ago, Matt and I launched the Father's House Orange County in here in Orange County, California. And I knew that I had this vision of a hundred resources. I just didn't know what that was going to look like. And for somebody out there that's like thinking about like this hazy vision of what your future holds, just hold on to God. God. Because, and I don't want to get all hyper spiritual because I know not everyone listening is a person of faith, but like sometimes God, whether you believe in God or not, sometimes God gives us glimpses of the future. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that we prophets know and see in part. You know, it's like a clouded glass, but we see a little bit. And I saw this audacious goal of 100 resources. Well, now that, you know, I'm teaching virtually every week at church, we're creating, I just released a Holy Spirit workshop with Matt and it had an entire 17 page PDF of gifts that are listed in the Bible. Then I taught exegetically the book of James and I put together a free James Bible study that we gave away for free on social media. And so I'm thinking, wow, I'm already at 27, 27 resources. It's it's bananas. It's unbelievable. Okay. You mentioned a church and that was not even on the radar in 2016. You were still working with A21. We spent a lot of that time, which the people are going to hear in just a minute talking about sex trafficking, but you guys started this church. And I mean, it's like a loaded whole episode of how's it been going? Because it is, might I say, maybe the hardest thing you've ever done. It is the hardest thing. I feel like I birthed a child. And then, so we launched a church. A church was about a year old, a year and some change old when Rona came. And when COVID came, she ripped up a a new one, basically. (laughs) And it was one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. Jimmy, I remember sitting on that couch in that hotel room. We were just having real talk about the difficulty that the year had been for so many Mm -hmm. people. And I get it. It wreaked havoc, not just in the United States, but around the globe, but specifically on the West Coast, California and Seattle area, specifically were on lockdown for 14 and a half months. So our church was closed down and we lost our venue in the middle of Rona because it was an event space that went bankrupt because there was no event. Yeah. But in the middle of that, it's always darkest before it's dawn. Jamie, yeah. the Lord granted us 
favor and we were able to procure an amazing location, an amazing spot, an amazing venue. And with Rona, everything was closed down, but we used it to renovate the church. So while while people couldn't gather, we were renovating the church. And so we opened this Easter and it was like we didn't miss a beat. People came back, people were excited and it's been a crazy adventure to say the least, but we're so grateful. I love it. Well, I listen to y'all's podcast sometimes, so I get to catch up on your teaching and I'm so grateful for it. You're so gracious. Yes, yes. Okay. And another thing we talked about was your book, Play With Fire. And so you talked about 20 seven resources, but you've had books since then. So what's come out since then? So my most recent book is How to Have Your Life Not Suck. And I actually came on. I remember Bianca, we talked about it. And I remember when I got the book, I was like, you know what? I love that Bianca had, I bet you had to fight for this title and go for it, girl, because it is good. Thank you. I even had a fight against my mother who said suck is an inappropriate (laughs) word. So look at me now, mom. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So that book came out in uh, 2019. I think we talked about it on episode 259. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, and that one really was like, I wanted to create a playbook for millennials or those experiencing failure to launch. And so I just, I wish I would have had a mentor or a cousin, an auntie, someone that were just really kind of break down adulting and faith and spirituality and relationships. And so I, using the paradigm of the book of Ruth out of the old Testament, small little four chapter book, I pulled out some principles from friendships to conflict resolution to dating. And I broke it up into three sections. So it felt like super practical, but I wanted something. I wanted a book that I wish I would have had at 25. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, this most recent book that I that I did, I took a pause from writing because we launched the church and <laughs> I'm writing sermons every week. So that's oh taking precedence. Yeah. Bianca, I am your biggest fan here in Austin, Texas. And I'm so proud you, of all the things you guys are doing and the resources. And this is what I feel when I'm around you and I talk to you is like, you have this goal and this goal is that you want people to fall in love with Jesus. And I feel that and I sense it and it is contagious. And so Bianca, thank you for coming back for a fourth time, you guys. And here is episode number 103 with Bianca. I love you, Jamie. Thank you. Hi, Jamie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I found you. (laughs) It sounds like you're having a crazy morning. Well, it's half of it's my fault. (laughs) It's the summer and I can't get out of bed, Bianca. Wait, are you serious? No, I'm in bed. I'm up. Yes, I'm up. But half of my life gets crazy because I just, all my kids sleep late. And so then I sleep late and then I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have like two hours and the repairman's coming and I got to talk to Bianca and I need coffee. You know, like you are hilarious. When school starts, I'm going to die. (laughs) Like die. I mean, I'm going to be getting up like practically four hours earlier than I am during the summer. My heart breaks for you. But like, here's the thing. My kids wake up early all the time. Uh, how old all are they? the time. 10 and 12. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I exactly. I thought like, oh, surely they'll go out. But here's the thing. I'm an early bird anyway. Like, yeah. I like getting up. I like having my mornings. But it's just not fun when they're up too because I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, gosh, I don't want to make you breakfast. Like, I don't yeah. want to pack lunches. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be doing this now. You're supposed to be sleeping. It's summer. Right. 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 And my second summer thing is like, okay, go make friends. Just get out of the house and go make friends. (laughs) We want to watch Disney Channel. Oh, Jamie, I'm dying. I know. I know. Someone asked me yesterday, they're like, what's your favorite thing about back to school? And I was like, "Uh, them leaving? Does that count? Oh, and here's the thing. I'm glad you're saying that because if I say that as a stepmom, then oh. all of a sudden I'm the evil stepmom, you know? <laughs> yeah. People be like, oh, she doesn't like her uh, Pray kids. For yeah. yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Oh, well, when do y'all start school? Uh, not until the second week of September. Yeah. Y'all are late. Are you, in, are. Are you in LA? Uh, Orange County, Orange which is County. right. Yeah. yeah. It's the next county over. 
which y'all do, because I know I always see Kristen Howerton's kids getting out, but y'all get out later than us. You do. You start later. Yeah. Yeah. And then y'all have like a ski week. Okay. That's what because that? I live in like rich, affluent white people's county. That's what, why, what Jamie, ski I week? Ski week is, <laughs> is when it what people I think go, it is? yes, they go to Aspen, <laughs> they go to Colorado, or they go here, you know, to either Northern California or even, even here in Southern California, just to the mountains. Cause we are the blessed state. We are the promised land where we have everything. <laughs> Y'all do. It is we true. Do. We it do. It is true. This is why our rent is outrageous, Jamie. It's crazy. I don't know how people live in California. Um, well, I'm harvesting my ovaries every other weekend <laughs> just to survive here. <laughs> just to buy like bread and peanut butter. Seriously. Oh, well I do. I'm coming to Orange County in the spring. Really? For what? Yeah. Conference, uh, la, 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 restore. We should hang out. Where in Orange County? I know. I, I don't know any of those details. I just know I'm coming. And let me just hope I said the right name because, you know, I get conference names mixed up. Oh, they're all the same. Belong, Restore, <laughs> yes. Open Hidden, You're a Diamond, Christ Daughters, Princess um, Warriors, God Soldiers. Oh, look, now I don't. Oh, Restore Women's Conference. Yes. What church is it at? It's, I don't think it's affiliated with the church. So that's, oh. that I do think I'm right about. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to connect. Oh, I would love that. I've been to Orange County. I think once before my husband led worship at a conference out there. And, and the deal is if he leads worship where there's a beach, I seem to always tag along. Absolutely. And so it was just a beautiful place. It is. It really right. Is. It does have this feeling of like, um, I need to go on a ski week or something. Oh yeah. And then like, keep in mind, don't worry if people aren't that engaged because I say like the Botox travels to the heart. So like people (laughs) don't really evoke a lot of emotion. Like everything's perpetually perky and foreheads and boobs don't move. Oh my gosh. it's kind of like hearts don't move either, but you just, it's hard soil, man. Hard Uh, soil. Someone has to take the gospel to them. Right. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we just jumped in the happy hour and that's how I like to roll. So welcome to the happy hour. Are we on already? Well, we're just kind of chatting, but... I love it. I love it. Let's do this, Jamie. <laughs> if you're okay with keeping in the Botox stuff, we can keep it. If not, we'll just roll on now. Oh, we will totally roll on because that's really my heart. I just hope your audience is okay with that. <laughs> oh, girl, my audience loves it, so... Oh, they're um... so carnal. I love them already. <laughs> okay, but for real, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here with you. I think I... like we've been friends for a while and now this is like turning like, wow, are we grown up now? We're Jamie, grown we're up. grown up now. Mm-hmm. We're grown up. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to just go ahead and let everyone know, because I think that we should just, like, level the playing ground. Okay. Um, Whenever I first met you, I just could not stop looking at your eyes, because (laughs) you, you, you told me that you do your own eyelashes. We talk about lashes on the happy hour a lot, because I have an obsession, and I could not get over it. (laughs) <laughs> because to me, that seems like I've, I don't know how you would possibly do that yourself. Like to me that you go do that. You okay. do your lashes yourself. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I do. I don't actually do. Um, I think you might be talking about the individual ones that you, that adhere to your real eyelashes. Yeah. No, you don't no, do those. I don't do those, but you, do- I just, I do a strip. Uh-huh. But I do it really well. So it looks like it's either a ridiculously long, like God bless me inordinately, <laughs> or that I did get like the extensions, but I don't do extensions. And I've gotten so good at this, Jamie. I do my lashes with glue in the car while I'm driving with one knee. See, this this, this is why, <laughs> because I think when I saw you for the first time with them, I had just started experimenting with getting mine done, like the individual lashes. 
Yes. And then you told me that you did it. And I was like, Remember what? That conversation. You can, this is possible. I didn't even this know this so, existed. It is so possible. But I have not um, d- tried it since I met you. I still am just like, oh, this is too much. But I would like to let you and all the listeners know that I just made an appointment to get my lashes done again because people listening know this is something that I want in my life. And so, Jamie, this is what I tell my husband. It's, 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 it's like the anointing of God comes on <laughs> I when know. I wear my lashes. And I just, when I blink, I want people to feel the Holy Spirit breathe <laughs> on them. Like, I'm serious about it. This is serious business to homegirl. Like, I know. Yes. So I'm all about it. Well, I'm just telling you, when I, I've had them before, and it was, I woke up and I felt alive. <laughs> this is so shallow, but we know it's true. We know yeah, it's true. Okay. We well, I just had to get that out there because I made my appointment last night in honor of talking with you today. Thanks, Jamie. Mm-hmm. I feel love. Yes. Okay. So you live in Orange County. You're married. I Two I kids. I yes. I was reading um, on your blog recently, and one of the things you wrote was how your life looks different 10 years from now, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it got me thinking, and I was like, man, my, my life looked drastically different 10 years ago. I bet everybody's life looks so, well, I hope, right? Don't you want your life to look different in 10 years? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think for those that are in their 30s, I'm 35, uh, there is a huge jump from 25 to 35. And there oh, is a significant gosh. jump between 35 and 45, but it's usually by 35, people are just a little bit more settled in life, whatever settled looks like. But 25 is kind of this nebulous, like mid quarter life crisis, you know, where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going. So most likely our life looks significantly different between our twenties and thirties. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, what have a little bit different story than yours because I got married kind of young and then had a baby. And so 10 years ago, oh my gosh, I had a two-year-old. That's what happened in my life. Oh my goodness. How old were you? You were a fetus. How old were you? Seven? Yeah, exactly. I was, (laughs) I was 25 when I had him. So I'm 38. So you got me thinking too about, I'm about to hit 40, which I'm not scared of at all. Let me just tell you that. Um, but it got me thinking, man, what do I want 40s to look like different than 30s? So you got me thinking forward, even though you were looking backward. I love it. I know. I know. So, but you listed a lot of things in there and and I have so much I want to chat with you about today because you have your hands in so many amazing things. Um, I want to hear about, I've never talked with anyone on the show about being a step parent and you do that well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I try. I want to talk about A21. Great. I want to talk about Propel. Okay. I just want to talk about everything that you've going on. <laughs> How much time do we have, Jamie? We have like seven <laughs> hours. No, we have like 40 minutes. So let's get moving. All um, right. Okay. First, I want to ask about step parenting. Mm. So 10 years ago, you were not married. No. And 10 years ago, you did not have any children. No. And now you've been married for how long? I've been married for six years and I've been in the kid's life for seven and a half years. Okay. And so what did that look like? You are a young woman. You met your husband on eHarmony. I only know that because you wrote it. Yes. Yes. Which I I have a girlfriend and she is 31 and she was telling me about this date. She went on with this guy and I was like, how'd you meet him? She's like, Jamie, the only place we meet men these days on the internet. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) She totally called me out. Yes. Yes. Okay. So tell me what that was like. I just want to know, tell me about dating, meeting the kids, you know, being mom, all kinds of stuff like that. 
Okay. Well, I will give you this as, uh, well, I'm, I'm Mexican and Puerto Rican, so I use lots of words and mm-hmm. I talk fast. So I'm hoping to get a lot of information in, in a really short time. It's the best. Uh, so I was almost 30 and my twin sister had been married for about eight years. She'd been with her husband for 15 years, uh, total you know, dating and marriage. And she had come up to me and she said, what are you doing? Mm. And, um, I mean, listen, Hispanics by 30, they expect you to have like 15 kids, you know? So I'm like, I had aunties asking if I was lesbian and I'm like, um, gotta love it. But no, uh, I I don't really know how to address this question. And, um, she said, I, she, she's a photographer and she photographed the chief psychologist of eHarmony. And, um, she had asked him if the whole thing was true and, you know, did it really work? Uh And he said, we don't promise people kismet matches. We promise to put people in a pool who otherwise wouldn't have known each other. And when she shared that with me, I was like, well, that's interesting. But I've seen Dateline How to Catch a Predator, and I'm going to end up dead in a ditch. <laughs> Craigslist killer. Okay? I, I just, I can't do this. This is way too much. And um, she said, what are your options? She's like, you're only at church serving in youth ministry with teenagers who smell in graduate school where everyone is way too academic or, you know, the guys in the program are gay. And then, which again, no problems, but I, that doesn't make dating options for me. And the last place is the gym. And she's like, and you're not going to marry a meathead. (laughs) And, and like, literally that's what it boiled down to. And I started crying and she pulled out her laptop and she built out the profile for me and paid for it. That's because I made up every excuse. Yeah. And, um, this is the best part. I called it eHarm Me um, because my very first match was um, a 2007 Scrabble champion. Oh, wow. Um, yes. And um, his occupation was listed as Keeper of the Night. <laughs> what does that and even mean? Exactly. Exactly. And um, he took a selfie before selfies were a thing uh-huh. in his bathroom. And <laughs> no. if you look behind him, you see a mirror that reflects his bedroom no. where there's a mattress, no box spring, no, no. bed frame, and a pile of no. white laundry next to his bed. No. And I'm like, this is, this, too much. this is my most compatible match. <laughs> this is why I'm single. So fast forward, I meet this amazing man. And that's a whole other story because I lied to him as to why I couldn't go on our first date, which clearly I need Jesus. I'm, I'm like not and, a Christian. And he's a pastor, right? Well, I was bamboozled because I'm a pastor's kid. And I said, I never want to marry a pastor. Oh, yeah, I, for sure. I, I love people, but I don't want to be broke. And people people be complicated. And, <laughs> yes. You know, and then, um, okay, oh my gosh, your listeners are going to think I'm so vain between the eyelashes and this. But he listed his job as community developer. And I noticed that he lived in Orange County. And I'm like, shutching. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is awesome. You know, and what he didn't put was that he was a community developer of third world countries. <laughs> as a missions pastor. Hey, he was smart. He knew that if he put that in there, the women were going to run. And that's what he said. That's what he said. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Secretly, everyone said, you're going to marry a pastor. You're going to marry a pastor. And I'm totally like, I'm Jonah. I'm run away for that calling. (laughs) And, um, And they're throwing you over, like, get out. Totally, totally. And so um, there was two things in my profile that I said, I, uh, three things that I said I didn't want. I didn't want someone who's divorced. I did not want someone with kids. And I did not want someone who smoked. And uh, two out of three was my now husband. Fast forward, um, we, we, we met and we were engaged a year later. And five months later, we were married. And I was thrust into motherhood. Mm. I was kind of on the verge of whether or not I was going to have kids. I thought about adoption or maybe 
um, I grew up in a large family and I, I know the, the cost of raising a, a children and I wanted to do it well and focus on that. And there's so many kids that need homes. And then, um, I ended up being thrust into a world that already had two kids and I knew I had to create a, a, a home of love and grace and kindness and got to exemplify kind of how Jesus treats us. Like I'm not Jewish. So that makes me like adopted into the family. Mm -hmm. And I feel like God has given me so much love. I get to adopt these kids into my family. And, um, and we've been together living under the same roof for about six years. And I would say it's been great 90% of the time, but I'm sure most biological mothers will say the same thing. So I don't feel that bad. (laughs) <laughs> sure. I, I mean, I, I would even say some days it's 80. So there you go. Oh, praise God. Okay. <laughs> I'm just taking a little praise break right now. Thank Keeping you. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Okay. So you get married and now you are a pastor's wife, what you said you'd never want to do. But I want to know yeah. at this stage in your life, what were you doing um, as your job and calling? Were, did you have your hands in these things that you are doing right now? Oh my goodness. I feel like we are going down a rabbit hole. So let me tell you, I, I, I got married. I changed my name, changed my location, changed my vocation, changed my church, became an instant mom, became a wife and started working for an anti-human trafficking organization where I felt overwhelmed and underqualified all in a span of three months. You probably felt that in everything you were taking on. Literally. So that's Literally. when you started with A21. I did. Okay. I did. That's so what I was wondering. So it was like, I, I felt like God had uprooted me and thrown me into the deep end. And, you know, God is so funny. He operates in these cycles in my life. And in most people's life, if we stop and look back, we could see cycles of how God moves and transforms us. And I, I kind of use the metaphor of the fire of transformation. We go in uh, as, as, as a, a block of ore, if you will. And through the fire, it's, we were refined. And the more and more that we are refined, the more and more we're put through the fire, the more and more we are revealed of, it's revealed of who we really are. Mm. And, um, I, I felt like I had encountered this fire of transformation, if you will, when I was about 25. And, um, once again, when I was 30 and I got married, and became an innocent mom and all this other stuff. So it was a massive transition. I want to say that I transitioned well, but mm-hmm. I don't really think I did. I'm, I'm a fighter by nature. And, and I just, you know, I will go where God's sending me. I'll just go kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would save, I'd say probably my husband, my family, my soul, a lot of trauma if I were just to shut up and listen to God. You know, mm-hmm. but wouldn't we all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a really big transition. And I think I felt so secure in my identity. And I thought, hey, I can handle anything that's thrown my way. I've got this inner strength and in God, I know who I am. And about six months into marriage, um, my first year of marriage was really hard. It was really hard. I, I began to doubt that I'd made the right decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I was arguing with my husband a lot. I didn't understand the reason for our budget. Mm. I mean, it was really hard. Um, and then of course, couple that with work and you're faced day to day with the darkness and depravity of, of slavery mm-hmm. and human trafficking. And so when you're with that all day long and then you come home to an apartment, uh, I mean, I sold, I had a great little sports car convertible and I sold it and got a four door Honda Accord. I stepped into motherhood. I was living in an apartment with a crazy old lady beneath me and her like 85 cat, feral cats mm-hmm. and these wild banshee children running in the courtyard. And I'm in this apartment and I'm like, this is not the life I thought <laughs> I was going to. Um, 
But all that to say, I could stand on the other side, now moved out of the apartment, praise God, um, but stand the other side and five and a half years, almost six years working at um, A21, I look back and say, my God, you are faithful. Mm. You are so faithful. You saw me through that season. You saw me through the fire. I feel like I have been refined and refined with every passing day. Every survivor that we get to help, every day with the kids that I get to speak the truth of God over them, every day that me and my husband still love each other, I feel like... God, you. this is a testament of your faithfulness. I'm walking in what you've called me to do. He never said it was going to be easy. And I love easy. I love easy. Um, and this has been everything but easy, but it's been so rewarding. That's I, I love stories like that. And I feel like so many of us can look back on hard seasons and hopefully get to the other side and say, oh, man, God, you have been so Absolutely. faithful. Absolutely. Um, okay. So you are um, have a book coming out. Um, what is your title with Propel? Um, my, my title with A21 is Chief Storyteller. We're a global anti-human trafficking organization. And my title with Propel Women is Creative Director. Okay, awesome. I was yes. getting those confused. Okay, great. And, and you have a book coming out. I and do. I would like to just chat with you about what does it feel like? You said you talked about you are Puerto Rican, Mexican, loud, strong women, right? Yes. And then I feel like sometimes we bring that into um, ministry and sometimes mm-hmm. strong women are not mm-hmm. necessarily like looked up, look, they're looked down upon. Is that yeah. what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Do you ever feel that way as though you feel as though your strongness or your voice or your boldness is kind of not what people are wanting? It's so interesting. I grew up in an amazing church. I love my dad. My dad's a pastor. And um, I remember serving youth ministry. And youth ministry was about 50 when I started. And we had, it just under under uh, a youth a youth leader uh, and I, we just transformed that youth ministry. And it grew to about 500. And we were doing conferences and retreats and concerts. And it was such, I mean, this isn't inner city Los Angeles, East LA, California, which is the hood. No mm-hmm. one wants to go to the hood. Right. And yet we were able to just really grow that ministry. And I vividly remember um, someone from the church. There was an eldership at, at my dad's church, but I would say it's someone like an elder that came mm-hmm. up to me and said, wow, if you were a man, you would take over this church. Wow. And I remember thinking like, um, thank you. Uh, I don't really know what that means. Yeah. And, and then it, it was, it was really interesting and kind of hard. I didn't know if maybe God made a mistake in making me a, a woman who's strong. And, and every time that if there's somebody that's told you, well, you're a strong man, it's a compliment. And then depending on the intonation and the vocal inflection, if someone says you're a strong woman or you're a strong woman. I feel appropriation of our language and intonation indicates whether that's a compliment or whether that's a criticism. Mm. And I began to realize that even when people, um, do I believe that there's room for growth and maturity? And do I want to be more meek in my approach, more kind and gentle? Absolutely. But I do know that God fashioned me a particular way. And bar ethnicity, bar heritage, bar anything is the fact that I'm a Christian. So my Christ-like demeanor and behavior should trump everything. But God made me strong. And I'm not going to view that as a negative. Even if people mean it as a negative, Mm -hmm. I'm going to reappropriate it as something positive. Thank you for recognizing the God call upon my life. Thank you for seeing that I am strong. Is there room for growth and refinement and, you know, shaping, shaping my soul and some of my words? Absolutely. But I'm not going to let someone's criticism cover or quench a fire that God has put in my heart and in my soul. Hmm. 
And you said something when I read it that you recently wrote about, and I giggled because I think that you were being sarcastic when you said, since when is meekness a feminine characteristic and not Mm. a biblical characteristic? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I literally thought to myself, I've never, ever questioned that. Yeah. Yeah. But I even say, like, someone asked me just recently, what do you want your daughter? I was like, I want her to be, I want her to be bold and meek. And was I doing the exact same thing? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I, think, I hope not. No, I think that you've hit the, the, or maybe we're saying the same thing, but um, I, I feel like that is exactly the attributes we should have because that's the attributes of Christ. Right. He was bold and humble. Mm-hmm. He was strong and confident, yet had such a submissive heart to the will of the Father and also, you know, respectful even unto mankind. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. He was very aware of his situations, very aware of what people, how people were looking at him. And I think if we're mindful of the same thing, we can walk in that same spirit. Mm, so good. And I think that I, I think that is such a good thing for us women to realize is that um, being meek is not a feminine quality, but it is actually what Jesus says that Absolutely. we should all be. Um, and we can be both. And meekness doesn't mean weak. Amen. By any means. Amen. Um, I love that. Okay. I was um, looking at um, A21's website a couple of weeks ago. And I do some work here with an organization with human trafficking. And so it's dear to my heart, the work that you guys do. Um, But what would you say is one of the best ways? Well, first, I want you to explain what A21 is. You kind of did already. But what is one of the best ways that I have a lot of people contact me? They're like, hey, how can I get involved with something like this? And the organization I work with is just strictly in Austin. So I have no help for them. Uh, But you guys are not. And so explain what you guys do and how people can be a part of that. Absolutely. So like I mentioned, we're a global anti-human trafficking organization. We have 14 offices across the globe, uh, two here in the States. And um, one of the things that I like to kind of differentiate, there's great organizations around the globe. Mm -hmm. We are not the only one. We are not uh, trying to come across as if we're the only one. I feel like if there's a local organization and you're passionate about this issue and you can get involved locally, amazing. But um, A21 has a a comprehensive approach to prevention, protection, prosecution, and partnering. So we want to stop this from happening, and we have prevention measures in order to do that globally and uh, domestically. I would say if most of your listeners are in the U.S., I'll kind of focus here, but... Mm -hmm. Um, we launched uh, two years ago a state-approved, DOE-approved, Department of Education-approved curriculum that could pop into ninth and 10th grade curriculum for social studies or language arts that not only talks about what human trafficking is, but how you can prevent from being a victim of human trafficking. It meets all the Common Core standards, and it was a huge project that was undertaken, that we undertook. But we understood that the average age of entry into sex trafficking here in this nation is 11. That is so crazy. Isn't it bananas? I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. It literally gives me the chills every time I hear that stat. And, and you know what, I, I think like a lot of it can be preventive mm. and, um, what we're not, I, I mean, I can talk about this for hours, but what we need to take a look at is the systemic broken issues. We're talking about foster mm-hmm. care mm-hmm. and those that are left unwanted, yes. uh, those are highly prone to victims of of trafficking, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, people that are toying around on Facebook, that kind of like sure. lover boy scenario where they meet someone, then they're coerced into being trafficked mm-hmm. without even realizing it, suffering from Stockholm syndrome where their their perpetrator is abusing them and yet they feel like this inordinate connection to them. Right. It's really layered, but which um, is why the 
the curriculum that you guys did, I think, is so good because it's educated. I remember one time we spoke to a group of girls about that age, and none of them had heard of it. And they were all in a very, like, um, under-resourced uh, high school, which made Absolutely. them more vulnerable. Absolutely, And Jamie. their eyes were just like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So we are, we're excited about that. And then of course, um, for those that want to get involved, I always say, uh, hitting up a website is probably a great ticket for our website. We want to let people know kind of the three easiest ways to get involved. Um, we uh, we want to make sure that, that people are uh, educated on this. And so on our social media, from Facebook to Twitter to Instagram, we try giving educational, informational, motivational, and inspirational cases of some of our survivors so that people will understand not just what we're doing, but the nature and the beast that is human trafficking. Also, practical ways for people to get involved. You know, some people have the wherewithal and means. They want to partner financially. Amazing. They want to invest in a certain project. Amazing. Now, some people have time, but they don't have resources. And so we have a global walk on October 15th. Um, over 35 countries will be uh, participating in this walk. And um, on October 15th, across the globe, we will be walking to take a stand and let our voice be heard for those that, that can't be heard in this season. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. I watched the one of the videos on there. Um, her name was Nicole. Yes. Um, and I just, and, and I think that is such a great video that you guys put up because it kind of changes also, like you said, the average entry age is 11, which is awful and scary, but this Nicole looks mm-hmm. so quote unquote normal. Yes. Was that really her? I'm, it was, it was really her, which is crazy. And that story is 100% true. And, um, she, when she, when we were able to help her, um, she was currently, uh, being chased by her trafficker and no one had the boldness or courage to testify him. And Nicole did. And not only that, she testified in front of a grand jury in Washington, DC about the oh. nature of human trafficking. We are so proud of her. We're so proud of her story. We're so proud that we were able to play a part in the, not only the rescue, but the redemption oh, of what so is going good. on in her life. Yeah. And she met this guy at a bar and he promised her something. And then seven years he trafficked her. Yep. I mean, yes. that is just seven and years. And do you remember what she fear? said? Like he went specifically after her because she looked like the all American yes, girl. Yes, she said that. Yes, and that is just tragic. Yep, it is so tragic. I remember the first time I ever heard about sex trafficking was I was invited to a luncheon by someone, and the guest speaker was a woman who looked quote unquote normal. Whatever that that seems weird to even say, but you know what I mean. Absolutely, we think sex trafficking is there. Everyone's coming over to the states from like Thailand, uh-huh. and that's right. just not the truth. Uh-uh. So. Um, and she lived in a middle-class neighborhood and was trafficked for like four years, part of high school and two years after. And her wow. pa- and lived in her parents' house. Wow. I mean, that just is crazy. But Absolutely. I love the work that you guys are doing and the awareness. And man, it is just, we, we go into, I work in a jail ministry. And we go in every week, and one of our weeks, we talk about trafficking. And once again, a very vulnerable population. Mm. And these women's eyes are just like, some of them have come forward and said, I think this happened uh, to me. Yep. And they don't even they realize don't even that know. that's trafficking. They don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. And it is just so crazy. And so educating those ninth and 10-year-olds, man, amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay. So you have a book coming out. I do. Okay. So I am so excited for you. because. Thank you. This is your, is this, am I right? Is this your first book? This is my very first baby. Yes. Do you feel (laughs) as though you started working on this 17 years ago and now it's coming? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, but seriously, seven years ago, I'm not even kidding. I had to live through this first Mm -hmm. before I could actually write it. Okay. So tell us what it's about. um, Well, it's entitled play, play with fire. 
And it's doing, it's stepping into the places where we feel like inevitably is going to be the end of us. We feel like either our life is nothing but ash. We feel like everything around us has kind of um, burned up or incinerated. And yet we find that um, God's presence is with us. And it's fascinating from the Old to the New Testament, every time that fire is mentioned, people's lives are transformed and the presence of God is revealed. Mm. And it was this notion of, I'm such a rule follower, safety first, I safety belt, safety health, safety gaggles, safety net. I'm all about safety. And growing up, you know, this idea of playing with fire, don't play with fire, you'll get burned. But yet we see that the very presence of God is in the midst of the fire. And we are told that in the New Testament, like our lives are transformed by fire. He's an all-consuming fire. Um, he's a refiner's fire, you know. And, and then I started thinking about this concept and realizing every time that there was a proverbial fire in my life, it drew me to my knees. And we have an opportunity. You know, the fire can either transform us or, you know, fire has the power to transform or destroy. Mm. And it's it, we can walk into it and know, like, what is set to harm or destroy is the very thing that God can use to transform. And I, my hope is that when people are in the midst of the fire, they don't feel like their life is going to end or they're hopeless. That if if they hold on to the promises of God, and I kind of chart the story of the Israelites and a couple other biblical narratives um, where fire is, is shown, that their lives can be transformed mm. and, and transformed into the person that God's calling them to be. That's so good. And do you have like personal, is it, is there also personal narrative in there about things that where you've walked Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So since it's, it's my first book, I, I, I feel like I, I don't have a formal theological training. I'm just a girl from the hood that absolutely loves Jesus. And I <laughs> that should be the tagline, Bianca. I'm just a girl from the hood who loves Jesus. <laughs> I mean, some people have like doctor of divinity, yeah, master uh-huh, of theology. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, girl from the hood who went through desertology. I had to go through the desert. That's okay. Right. <laughs> yes. So, um, so I don't have a formal uh, theological training, but what I love is just going in our natural through the Bible and seeing how God could speak to us in the supernatural. Like, mm-hmm. hey, give us eyes to see what you meant in this passage and how it affects my life. And I couldn't help but see all these parallels between the children of Israel crying out to God and then on their road to, to freedom, you know, from slavery to freedom, from leeks and onions to milk and honey. And that's what God can do in our life as well. And so we can wander aimlessly crying out to God, or we could believe his promises and hold on to his promises and allow him to do a transforming work in our life to get to the place where we're supposed to be. Whenever you talk about the fire, it makes me think, of a song that my husband wrote because he's a songwriter. And the line is this. It says this, I'll walk with you through the fire and the rain. You'll carry me when my hope seems undone. And I like always think about that song with, I. he wrote that song during like a fire that we were personally, our family walking through. And then it always gets to like, you'll carry me then the hope seems undone. And then getting back and looking at the other side and you're like, I made it Yep. because of you. Yep. Oh. And I hate to say this, but like, or I hate to ask this, I should say, but do you feel like you wouldn't, you don't want to go through those things, but do you feel like it drew you and your family closer? Do you feel like it drew you closer to God? Do you feel like what didn't kill you made you stronger in the words of Kelly Clarkson? Like <laughs> what, what did you feel like as you look back over that season, what are some of your, and it doesn't, please don't think like you have to say some Christianese answer. You could still be like, I'm angry, mm-hmm. but how do you feel after surviving that? You know what? I look back at 
so many things that have happened. Um, and I look back and say, if it wasn't for that, I would not know God the way I know him today. Amen, sister. You know, and so and there's this weird, weird thing. And, and I'm a believer of like God's sovereign over everything. And I'm a believer that he uses all things uh, for his glory and uh, for his good. And so you're right. I mean, when I look back on every single hard thing, I think, man, I know you more and I know different, I know characters about character qualities of you better than had I not gone through that. And you know, it's so funny that you say that. Um, I love this idea of God's ultimately in control, which is the dumbed down version of the word sovereignty, like God's in control overall. And I, I see that in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I write about this in the book, but more than it being in the book, it's my heart song at the moment. I, I love how they boldly go up to the to King Nebuchadnezzar. If you're not familiar with the story, mm-hmm. he's the most powerful man. Now, I know you are, Jamie. Hello. Right. <laughs> but maybe some of your audience isn't. But he's the most powerful man, the king of the time, erects the structure and has everyone bow down to it. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say that they, they won't, even though it costs, it will cost them their life. And when they have a conversation with the king, I love this one verse in Daniel three eighteen. they say, our God is able to save us and he will save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. I love it so So this much. tension of our God is able, mm-hmm. but even if he doesn't, mm-hmm. that's where we live. Mm-hmm. We have all the faith in the world, but we, we lay our faith down at the feet of Jesus, knowing that we want your will more than anything. Yeah. We lay it down before God saying, hey, your will, not my will. We see this in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. There's all these moments where it's mm-hmm. just like, do you choose to believe even if you don't get your way? Mm. I think we get caught up sometimes in ju- and we stop at our God is able. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And we just think, surely God is not going to let me go through this. He's mm-hmm. not going to let it happen because he's God and he's good and he loves me. Oh, totally. But then he goes on and they, you're right. That is profound when they say, but even if he doesn't. It messes with my theology. <laughs> I just want to talk about how our God is able. That's right. all I want to talk about. Like, right. you know, but this is where people kind of get a little skewed. It's like, our God is able to buy me a yacht and a Ferrari. Yeah. You know, our God is able. Like, well, our God is able. It's like what James says. You ask, but you ask amiss. Mm. What, well, I, what, are, I, what are we asking for that will, you know, ultimately it's to bring God glory. Uh, well, if this loss, if this tragedy, mm-hmm. if this broken part of my life brings God glory, I am trust. And even if it doesn't make sense now, right. mm-hmm. even if it doesn't, it, it can't bring God glory now, we are trusting that it will bring God glory in the end. And you know what else? I think, Bianca, when we stop at the, our God is able, it, when, when we stop there and we don't go all the way through to the rest of those verses and to the end, and then when he doesn't, is when we are like shaken to the core and, and people's faith is just undone. Yes. Because they didn't understand or believe that God is still good and for them. And we yes, still praise him. honey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, girl. I work Ooh, at, girl, I'm we're going to church like... today. <laughs> church up in here. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. Well, I can't wait to get a, uh, my hands on your book and read it. It you sounds do. amazing. Thank you. Thank you so, so tell much. me, are you doing like... But are you having a big launch party? Because we I'm are. I'm writing a I'm b- about to start writing a book, my first book. And so <laughs> Congratulations. Thank Be you. prepared. It's like birthing a child, homegirl. That's girl. what I've heard. But I need to write the book, but all I keep planning is my launch party. 
Oh my gosh, we're soul sisters. We are soul sisters. And that's like the number one thing. I just wrote the book for this singing party. (laughs) No, I tell Aaron all the time. I'm like, okay, when I launch a book, I want to do this. And he looks at me. He's like, how about you just write a book first? Let's let's just sit down and write a book. My husband must be kismet matches because it's like, I'm listening to the same thing. I am having a launch party and I'm so excited. It is going to be on Tuesday, August 30th. And, um, it, not only that we, we sold out of, of tickets already. So Oh, but, wah, wah, but it's okay. But, but we're posting it on live, <gasps> on live stream, live stream. Yes. And so we have Bob Goff and Jabin Chavez and Christine Kane and yours truly, uh-huh. uh, DJ Bobby, D- DJ Bobby, though the chef will be there as well. There's like taco mans and photo booths. Wait, go and- back. Who'd you say after DJ Bobby? Uh, oh, his name is, well, okay. His name is Bobby, but his stage name is uh-huh. DJ Bobito, the chef. Cause oh. he mixes up some music. I got it. I love it. Yeah. Oh, seriously. He's amazing. I love him so much. And part of the pre-order incentive campaign is that he's like, Oh, I'm going to make a dope music mix for you. So it's a play with fire <laughs> music mix. Isn't that awesome? Okay. That's the first like pre-order package that has, um, a dope music mix that I've heard right? of. Come on. Come on. Okay. Yes. And so, um, I don't know when this is going to air, but if people are free on Tuesday, August 30th, uh, at 6 PM Pacific standard time, which is 8 PM Texan time, which is 9 PM New York time Uh (laughs) soon. And I'll be posting the link on my website on social media and that sort of stuff. And just encourage anyone who just feels like maybe they are in need of transformation or change, or they feel like they're in the midst of the fire. My hope is that it is a night of encouragement. That's it's awesome. not just about the book. I, I mean, it's great that the book is launching, but ultimately this is like, I want a venue and a space and a place where we can come and experience Jesus together. I love it so much. Congratulations. Thank you, Jamie. So fun. Do you, do you hope to like be an author, write more books? Uh, yes. Okay, actually. good. Not just books, but like I have this goal and it's, it's, Ooh, tell it's, me your big dreams. My big dream. Oh, well, okay. Big dreams are twofold. I love teaching the Bible. It's uh-huh. my heart and it's my passion. Um, I adore it. My goal for, for uh, being a, a teacher and a communicator is I would love to develop 100 resources, 50 books, 50 Bible studies before I make it to heaven that will transform people's life through educational and inspirational resources that are biblically rooted. And then my other dream. Wait, time out. Stop real quick. Yes. A hundred resources. Yes, ma'am. Is there anyone in our day and time that's on track for doing that? Uh, Joyce Meyer just wrote 101 books. You got your eye on the prize. Yes, I do, ma'am. Yes, I do. And I don't necessarily know if it's books because I, I love storytelling. And so mm-hmm. what I love is taking narratives from the Bible and putting a modern day spin, not taking a text out of context, not making it a pretext for some supposition, but really putting some legs on it. We mm-hmm. kind of read the Bible as a, it's a historical book and it's kind of, people sometimes make it a snooze fest and it's more like a novella, like yeah. a Mexican soap opera. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. You know, and I love that. And so my passion for storytelling is also, I would love to produce a, a documentary series and I would love to Wait, travel. Is this dream number two? This is dream number this two. This is crazy. I know. I'm a dreamer, Jamie. I'm totally a dreamer. I'm totally a dreamer. And so dream number two, big, hairy, audacious goal. My BHAG at the moment is I would love to produce a show that demonstrates the redeeming nature of God through community and food. 
Now, Ooh. I don't want it necessarily to be like, and in John 15, uh-huh, this uh-huh. is where we see God redeem. I want to have a theological framework that I'm providing for people through resources, but then I want to go out into the market space. I want to go to the straight up heathens who, who are so longing for redemption and don't have language for it. And if we could show redemption through stories, I believe it is the gateway to Jesus. That's why Jesus used stories. For sure. And so that's my hope. I have my eye on Vice Network and it's crazy. Vice is so carnal and I am like... Wait, I don't even know what this is. Oh my gosh. Think of what MTV was for the 80s. Uh-huh. Vice is for today. It's it's it's, it's irreverent. And it's a it's, cable TV show? I mean, is. TV network? It is. And they do skate documentaries, political commentaries. They do fashion exposés. Got it. Got it. It is. Okay. It is it, it, it's, it's literally everything that I love, all the topics that I love. Mm-hmm. Without but, Jesus. But they don't know Jesus. Yeah. And I feel like I don't want to go in there and be like, this is my hour of teaching. I want to go in there and tell stories like Jesus. Okay, this is so amazing. I love your big dreams. <laughs> I would like to own a house one day, so maybe this, I, maybe I can make money doing this. Who knows? Yes, but yes. I also live in a very expensive place, and we're only here because of the kids' education. So mm. buying a house doesn't really look like it's in the foreseeable future, but I'm right. praying because our God is able. Our but God even, is, even if, if he doesn't, not. I'm okay. <laughs> there you go. That's going to be our theme verse for the day, Amen. everybody. Say Amen. it with us. Our yes. God is able. But even if he does it. Yes, I will praise him. Okay, um, this is so awesome. Okay, so I always end a show with asking my guests uh, what they're reading and three things they're loving. Like three things that you're like, I got to text my girlfriends right now because you have to know about this. Um, so what are you reading? Uh, I am reading Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh-huh. And for those that don't know, no, it's not like on the occult. It's not about magic. It's about creativity. Yes. I am reading, um, Circle Maker by uh-huh. Mark Patterson. Patterson. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I'm reading this because it's just kind of part of my devotions. Like I'm doing, um, the Breath series by Beth and Melissa Moore. Oh, I don't know about this. Yeah, it's on the Holy Spirit. And I'm just so on this Holy Spirit kick right now that I felt like, hey, I want to make sure that my theology, I'm I'm taking in, um, you know, really great commentary and thought. And so Beth does the video teaching and Melissa does essays. And so I am kind of, I would say that I'm reading that and I'm I'm going really slow through it. So Beth's sessions are actually an hour and a half per and, session. And you buy these online or what? You know what? I had to go um, to Lifeway to get it. The funny okay. thing is, okay. is I love Lifeway and Lifeway is not carrying my book because they say that I talk about the Holy Spirit too much. The irony is hilarious. That is that is hilarious. I know. I know. And I'm like, Lifeway, I still love you. I absolutely love you. I'm good to keep on talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you have to go to Lifeway to get it. Uh, for breath, not okay, my for, book. Yeah. Because they're right. not covered. <laughs> For breath. Okay, so you're going through that. Yes, those are the three things that I would say that I'm reading. Okay, so this leads me to another question. As a Bible teacher and a continual learner, which also, what were you in grad school for? Um, Underwater basket weaving. Not really. That's kind of what it felt like because people are like, wait, what? Um, It's humanities. So um, everything that the Greeks thought to be important, it was an emphasis on uh, literature, philosophy, history, and art. And my emphasis within that graduate program was aesthetics. So the philosophy of what is beautiful 
And I wanted, eventually, that was just going to springboard me. I wanted to get my PhD in, in humanities, but I fell in love with, there you go. with ministry. Mm-hmm. And I finished the program, and I'm praying about getting my doctorate in the study of the Holy Spirit from Fuller in 2018. Look and I at just, you. I'm praying about it. I got, I got to hit the lotto because you know what? You know tuition is $52,000? Are you kidding? I don't have that money, Jamie. I don't have that money. Surely there's some scholarships you can apply for and some grants. my God is able. (laughs) That's exactly right. Um, Okay, so I have a question about when we're talking about your reading and your studying. What does your biblical study look like? Do you study a book? Do you study, uh, like you said, a theme, like you're studying the Holy Spirit. Do you dive into that? I mean, like daily, what does that look like for you? So daily is, I just, you know, because I have such a full schedule, I I wish I could study eschatology for four four hours, Uh you know? Um, I would really love to learn Greek because I'm obsessed with the New Testament, but I I don't have space and capacity for that. So uh, daily, I like to just have, um, I hate the word devotion because it's just like so Jesus-y. So I call it my Jesus party. I like to just spend time with Jesus, have a little party in his word. Um, I journal, I listen to podcasts, and then also just like read. So I'll go for a run, listen to a podcast, come back, put on a little bit of worship music, spend a few moments in the word, journal, pray, that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, For studying though, I... And they do not endorse me, so this is not like a plug, but I love Logos, mm-hmm. Bible software. Yep. Some people call it Logos, but those people, um, if you go to Greece and you ask them to pronounce L-O-G-O-S, they will say Logo. Logos. Logos. But every scholar will say Logos. Mm. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll find the Greeks on this one. You know, that's like people saying cilantro. It's not cilantro. It's cilantro. Get it oh, right. Wait, oh. say it again. <laughs> Jamie, am I making you feel bad? Do you say cilantro? I do say I think I say it wrong. Yeah, say it again. As long as you don't say quesadilla. No, I don't say that. I don't say that. Okay, but say okay. Here's how I would say it. Hey, honey, can you pick up some cilantro? Bless. You know, I discovered (laughs) when people in the south say "bless your heart," they're not blessing your heart. They mean like, oh, she's special. She don't get it. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Say it the right way for us all. Okay, so you say cilantro, Uh but the correct pronunciation is cilantro. Cilantro. Yes, but you got to go the hr at the oh, end. Oh, I can't do that. Cilantro. Oh, cilantro. Better. 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 Almost. Almost. I'm going to practice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you said your Bible study software. That's where we were. Yes. Um, Logos or Logos Bible software has been a great resource. Um, I just love my Mark, um, I mean, Matthew Henry commentary. It's mm-hmm. old school, but you can't go wrong with yeah. that. Um, I like to balance my theology. So I will read. Um, something a little bit more conservative and then something a little bit more, uh, some might say charismatic. Uh-huh. And I love to let the Holy Spirit lead me and guide me. Like what resonates in this season of my life? And I want to be tethered not to one side because that's what I was raised in. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a little bit more of a conservative household, conservative theology, which I love. But I also want to make sure that there is a width in the breadth of the body. And I want to learn from as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So um, I will pick up different commentaries. Um, I really was obsessed with Songs of Solomon. And I was always taught that it was allegorical. And the more commentaries I read, I was like, wait a minute, there's a whole other narrative interpretation here that's literal. So I taught out of Songs of Solomon from a literal perspective that it's an actual man writing a letter to an actual woman. And um, it's fascinating. And so I read the conservative stuff and I said, well, this is sweet. But then I read the um, literal 
interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like the book is so layered and gives us great tools for relationships and dating. And some people say courting, or I like to say dorting, which is a hybrid (laughs) dating and courting, you know? Um, and, 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 and so that's kind of like my process. If I know I'm going to be teaching a series, I dive, like it's everything to me. Uh I'm obsessed with it. Um, years ago I did a study called it's so funny. Mine came out before Beth, so I'm not copying her. Um, I was called uh, Breathe, and hers uh-huh. is called Breath, and hers came out a year ago. I, I did mine two years ago, but they were both on the Holy Spirit, and um, I just became really fascinated with not just the natural works of Jesus, but even the supernatural works, and then um, how the, the disciples operated in the supernatural post-Acts 2, and, um, and just developing a really strong theological framework for who the Holy Spirit is and how He operates even today mm. through His Word. And also through people. So that's kind of where I land. I love your study. Thank you. That has actually been on my list to buy the, I, I, I'm, I'm second guessing myself every time I'm about to say it, Logos. <laughs> you could say it, however, no judgment. You could say cilantro or cilantro. No, tell me the right way. Logos. Uh, well, gr- See, now I'm second guessing. If you go to Greece, they say logos. Logos. But scholars will say logos. Okay, logos has been on my list to buy. For like a yes. year, and you just yes. reminded me I need to get on it. Um, yes. Okay, what are three things you're loving? Like you got to text your girlfriends. You got to you got to look at this, see this, hear this, read this, have this, buy this, whatever. Okay, I am like the biggest fan of hot yoga right now, and I'm not Ooh. talking about like the meditating and you know um, like chanting yoga. I'm talking about it's a clean studio that doesn't smell like socks and underwear, <laughs> um, and the room goes up to 102 degrees and. I find it at a place and a space where I could stretch. And I feel like, you know, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 64. It's like stretch and enlarge your tents, pull the tent pegs back. I feel like if God's going to do that for us spiritually, I want to do that for myself physically. Mm-hmm. I've been involved in a lot of car accidents and I played sports for, gosh, 12 years. My body's jacked. Mm. So what this does is that it's a non-impact kind of way to decompress and wring out my body, which I love. Um, the second thing is... Okay, this is going to sound bananas, but I'm swearing by this. Um, I'm really trying to just keep my body as a temple and eat right and make uh-huh, good choices. Uh-huh. And there's this one protein that is non-soy, non-whey, vegan. Um, your audience are probably going to think that I'm really thin because I've talked about like protein <laughs> shakes and working out. And if not, I'm Mexican. I love to eat. Okay. We're working on this. Oh. But this Vega protein shake is amazing. And then, um, And then the last thing is kind of what we were speaking about earlier. It It's the Holy Spirit. And I love, I think that people naturally fear what they don't know. And I love talking about the Holy Spirit in a way that's not super theological, very practical, and using real life experiences to like to see how God is moving and to encounter Him for our, our own self. I think yeah. like, there's so many Christians that are walking around living a half-baked life without even realizing like God has given you this amazing present and you're afraid to open it. Mm. And he says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm not leaving you abandoned. I'm leaving you a comforter, an advocate who's going to empower you to do even greater things than I have done. And that, this his phrase of greater is what I'm so fascinated with. What does God have for me? What does God have for Jamie Ivy? What does God have for Susan and Stephanie and Jane and Maria and <sighs> Latasha? Mm-hmm. What does God have for us when we step into boldly believing that God's promises aren't for the pretty, the polished, and the perfect, the people whose thighs don't touch, not just for the (laughs) disciples or the apostles, but for us. And that's what I can't help but talk about in this season. That's amazing. 
Well, I have loved chatting with you because here's why I love chatting with you, Bianca, because we go from lashes to protein shakes, to Holy Spirit, <laughs> to strong women, to sex trafficking, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, we have run the gamut, and that is just what I love about the happy hour. I, I, I kind of say that I I have multiple personalities, and all my personalities love you. So there we go. <laughs> so much fun. Okay. Well, you have been a joy. I will put all of these show notes up for the ladies and send them to your book and all kinds of stuff. And so thanks for coming on. Jamie, it's been my privilege and honor. I can't wait to do it again. And when I'm in Orange County, I'll come find you. You're going to hang out. We're That's hang right. Out. Okay. Thank all you right. so much. Love you. Thank you. You guys, you guys, you guys, I love Bianca so much and I have loved every single time she's been on the show. This makes her fourth time on the show. I just can't get enough of her. And I love that we did not plan. Like literally, I texted her. We recorded this in middle of June. I texted her and said, hey, can you give me 10 minutes today? And she said, yes. And just how crazy is it that she was having conversations about things that I was going to talk with her about? I mean, it's just crazy, 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 crazy. Anyways, if you want to listen to all the times Bianca has been on the show because you love her that much, and I do as well, go to the show notes for today's show. It's jamieivy.com slash HH406. That's today's show. And all the show notes will be there. So we'll have all of the links to all the last times that she's been on. Check out her church if you're ever in Orange County, or you can listen online to the podcast like I do as well. You guys, thank you so much for listening again today. I want to remind you a couple of things. Number one, I want to remind you that we're building a church in Uganda. Yes, we are. And we want you guys to help us. Go to jamieivy.com slash build a church. This is something we're doing together. We're going to come alongside a church that's been functioning for over 34 years, but they don't have a building. So we want to provide the resources for them. They have the land, they have the workers, they just need the resources. And I told them, listen, my people, we can do this. We can raise $15,000 this summer, no questions asked. So please help us out. Any amount counts. Any amount goes directly towards this this church building. Go to jamieivy.com slash build a church. Second thing I want to tell you this is if you're thinking, I don't want to miss out on anything and I don't follow you on Instagram all the time, so I don't want to miss, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter. Go to jamieivy.com slash newsletter. When you subscribe, we send you two emails a week, sometimes an extra one, but hardly ever. And within those emails is the show notes. So we tell you who's on the show today. And then we tell you extra things that you might want to know, like maybe am I have a book releasing in the fall or maybe are we doing a happy hour live next year or you know what, let's take a trip again or you know what, here's my favorite podcast I listened to this week. I give you all the inside scoop there. You guys, thanks for listening to this flashback Friday from episode 103 all the way back in 2016, a lifetime ago, you guys. Bianca Oltoff is a fan favorite of mine and yours. Today's show was edited by the team at Podshaper. Music for the show is created by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abby Castell. The whole thing's organized and produced by Lindsay Sweeney. I'm your host, Jamie Ivey, and I am so grateful that you guys joined us today for this show. Next week, my friend Mo Akins is here, and she's telling her encounter story of how she met Jesus. You don't want to miss it. Mm-hmm.